0: would just awaken and ignite our hearts with a passion this morning for, for our neighbors and for our communities in a fresh way. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So I've been uh, thinking about what we're going to talk about this morning, and obviously fear comes to mind. But then I realized that every other church around the world is talking about fear this morning. And if you want to catch a message on fear, you can tune into any church globally, and you can probably hear the similar message. Uh so I do want to address that this morning, but but that's not the, the main thing. I really felt like like uh the message that I had prepared was was incredibly fitting for this time. Um So this morning we're going to talk about what it looks like to love people. In, culturally right now, especially right now, we're moving towards isolation, we're moving towards social distancing, uh, in an attempt to, to stop the spread of, of the coronavirus. And so what's often happening is that, that we're moving we're distancing ourselves from people. And I've thought about that and i thought, what an opportunity for the church to demonstrate radical love. What an opportunity when, when everyone's rushing to the grocery store to buy out all the toilet paper. What an opportunity to be like, hey, I've got an extra roll. You know, anyone desperate? I've got you covered. <laughs> right? That's a really practical way. What an opportunity! I, I just read this morning that that food banks are running out of food because everyone is stockpiling from the stores, and so that there, there's not food getting donated to to food banks. What an opportunity to show up and say, "Hey, I heard you guys are low. Let me help." What an opportunity to 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 you know? I, I heard of another family who they went into the store to go buy their groceries and they couldn't because there was no food in the store in the store. What an opportunity to be like, "Hey." let me help you. I've got an extra, I've got extra cans. I've got extra, you know, what if we looked at, at our world and we said, okay, how can we bring the love of Jesus in this season? You see, before this last week, my, I was thinking about love and, and, and I recognized that this phrase has started being circulated. It's this phrase of, well, do better. Anybody heard that? Anybody read that anywhere where, where people are saying, well, we should be doing better as a collective society. This idea that that, that there's a standard set by somebody, you know, whether it's with, with um, climate change or whether it's with something else, people saying, well, you should be doing better. And there's there's a judgment. What if in a culture where judgment and fear is currently ruling? What if we could come in with grace and with love? Not, not just in a hypothetical sense. But you see, I think, I think as a culture, we have less and less of an idea what love actually looks like. We talk about love. We talk about loving each other. But, but Jesus says, the greatest love is this, that I give up my life for my brothers. That love actually looks like giving up something. Love actually looks like sacrifice. And I, I would bet you if you would look around culturally right now, you'd see very little sacrifice. This last week, we've heard stories of hoarding, of, of gathering, of, of I'm fighting for myself and everyone else stay out. But what an incredible opportunity as the church To live in sacrificial generosity, to live in sacrificial radical love—what an incredible opportunity to live like Jesus! And so, this is what I want to challenge you with this morning. As as, yes, this is a continuation of our visit of our vision series, and I just I think it's incredible that it fits so well where we can actually start working on this today. So my goal is that that we would walk out of here with practical ideas in how to reach and love our community this week. How to reach and love our neighbor this week who's who's maybe shut in or who's struggling with fear, who's feeling overwhelmed. I see a church that loves people well that loves courageously, that loves radically. That actually is willing to cultivate a culture of family. See, sometimes we think love means we avoid tough conversations and we avoid tough situations. But actually love means that there has to be correction, there has to be discipline, there has to, we ha- that there's a requirement for tough situations. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to read verses 2 to 5 to start with. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 2 says, With tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate gentleness and generous love towards one another. Especially, pay attention to this, especially towards those who may try your patience. Is that relevant for anyone this morning? Anybody who tries your patience? Be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in the bond of peace, being one body and one spirit, as we were all called into the same glorious hope of divine destiny. For the Lord God is one, and so are we, for we share in one faith, one baptism, and one Father. He is the perfect Father who leads us all, works through us all, and lives in us all. You see, in times where it's, where of tragedy, in times of pressure, one of the things that happens is, is we tend to do one of two things. We either pull apart from everyone, or we pull together. We either isolate and separate ourselves, or we pull together to actually do something meaningful. And I really believe that we are not, we're not reaching people because we have great programs. We're not reaching people through programs. We're going to reach people through great acts of love. This is the evidence of Jesus in our lives. The reason Paul says that we are to love others well is because we are one with Jesus. We have the same Father, we're in the same baptism with each other. We have the same Spirit living in us. And as you continue through Ephesians, then uh, Paul talks about the gifts that God has poured out on every single person. And what's incredible about this is that that it is actually in God's presence that these gifts are activated, not to not to puff us up and say, Oh, look at my gifts, but to actually build us up, to build up the church. Do you know that God that is why God gave you gifts? It's to build people up. And so we're going to jump down to Ephesians four fifteen. Actually, I'm going to go a little bit higher. We're going to start at verse 12. And so Paul's talking to the Ephesians. He's saying, God has given you each gifts. Some for, the, for and, and he actually outlines leadership giftings in the church. He talks about apostles and prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers. And then he says, and their calling is to nurture, in verse 12, and their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. As they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. Did you catch that? Whose work is it to do the work of the ministry to enlarge and build up the body of Christ? The work of all the believers. What's incredible in a time like this is that every one of us, right, we don't wait and be like, well, well, the church isn't doing like a I don't know, a virus drive. Right? So so I'm just going to kind of just quarantine myself and wait. What we actually have the opportunity to do is to come and say, God, you're equipping me to do the work of the ministry. You're equipping me to minister to my neighbor, to minister to my community in this time. You have been equipping me over the last years, over the last months, you have been equipping me for such a time as this. Right? this. This isn't a surprise to God right now. The season that we're in is not a surprise to God. And he's been equipping and planting things in you so that you'd be ready for this. So it continues, these grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness in the faith. Speaking of the, the uh, leadership gifts, the fivefold ministry as they're called, until we have all experienced the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. And finally, we become one perfect man with full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed in the abundance of Christ. And then our immaturity will end and we will not be easily shaken by trouble nor led astray by novel teachings or by false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies. But instead, we will remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. And I love this. It says all our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him. The anointed head of his body, the church, for his body has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. And every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. Everyone say every member. Are you a member? Yes. doesn't matter if you have a membership card or not. You are a member of the body of Christ. Every member has been given gifts to build up the body of Christ. And as these these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in love. Isn't that incredible? I see a church where every member uses their gifts to build up the body of Christ. I see a church who love people well because we love Jesus well. You see, if if the, the anchoring for us doing the work of the ministry is just that, well, I like that person, or I like their style, or I like, you know, getting together with them. That only takes us so far until they do something we don't like. But when we anchor our love for people, in our love for Jesus, that goes a whole lot further. And so as we choose to love people, do you know that in John it says, in 1 John I think it is, if I'm wrong you can call me out on it, but somewhere in one of the the minor John's, one of the first, second, or third. I think it's first John. It says that perfect love casts out fear. What a better way! What what a great way! In a culture that's so saturated in fear, to bring people an encounter with Jesus than to to bring them love, practical hands-on, loving our neighbor. And you see, it's as, as we build that, as we look at building a culture of family and a culture of where, where people are valued and loved, it actually creates a place for belonging and identity. It, it allows people's gifts to thrive. And it creates a a diverse atmosphere, which is actually much healthier. But it all comes out of an encounter with Jesus. And this morning, as we read in Psalm 91, it talks about all the protection that God offers. but, But did you notice that it's anchored in something? All of Psalm 91 is anchored in the first two verses. Those who dwell in the shadow of the Most High will find rest in the Almighty. Those who dwell will find rest. And then there's all these blessings that come after that. But it's as we spend time with Jesus, as, as He speaks to us and, and says, Hey, you're my son and you're my daughter. That's where we actually get this this idea of inviting the world. We invite them to be sons and daughters because we've been invited to be sons and daughters. I see a church with great influence throughout the Gulf Islands because of their great love. Not by our programs or by manipulation or by human power, but by the way that we love and serve. Here's the thing. Love doesn't look like compromise. It looks like purity. It looks like honor. And it looks like generosity. So let's turn with me to Acts chapter 3. Let's look at what this looks like hands-on practically for this week. Acts chapter 3. We start at verse 1. I referenced this verse last week. What does it look like for us as a church to love people? How can we walk out of here today more equipped to love people than when we walked in? That's the question that I want us to look at. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, so they're they're going up to the temple for the the three o'clock prayer. So it says, one afternoon Peter and John went to the temple for the three o'clock prayer. That's what I just said. And as they came to the entrance called the beautiful gate, they were captured by the sight of a man crippled from birth, being carried and placed at the entrance of the temple. He was often brought there to beg for money from those going in to worship. When he noticed Peter and John going into the temple, he begged them for money. Peter and John looked straight into the eyes of the crippled man. Oh, sorry, looking straight into the eyes, said, Come, no, said, look at us. Expecting a gift, he readily gave him his attention. And then Peter said, I don't have money, but I'll give you this. By the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And Peter held out his right hand to the crippled man. And as he pulled the man to his feet, suddenly power surged into his crippled feet and ankles. The man jumped up, stood there for a moment, stunned, and then began to walk around. And as he went into the temple courts with Peter and John, he leapt for joy and shouted praise to God. And when all the people saw him jumping up and down and heard him glorifying God, they realized it was the crippled beggar they had passed by in the front of the gate, beautiful. Astonishment swept over the crowd, for they were amazed over what had happened to him. And then Peter preaches this rousing sermon, and then they get arrested, and then they get dragged away and questioned. Which we talked about last week. But there's something that happens here at the beginning. It starts out with they're they're going about their day. Right? They're not holding a healing meeting, they're not running a food drive. They're just going to the temple to pray. And the first thing that they do is they recognize the man in front of them. Have you ever been going about your day, going to the store, and, and you just kind of, you're like, I'm going to the cereal aisle because, or the toilet paper aisle because they just got restocked. Um, so I'm going to get in and I'm going to get out, right? I, I've got places to be and, and things to do. Have you ever gone into a store or into a place and come out and recognize, hey, I didn't, I have no idea who else was in that store. Does that ever happen to you? No? It happens to me all the time. I'm like, I'm getting in, getting out, got kids to take somewhere, kids who are hungry, whatever it is. You know, I'm just, I'm gonna get what I, I need and I'm gonna leave. I think a lot of the time that is how we can do life. We get in, we get out. Not too much contact with anyone. But what happens here is, is, is so different from that. Peter and John, they're on their way to go do something. They're on their way to go pray, which is very important, right? They should not be interrupted from praying. That would be the spiritual answer. They shouldn't be distracted from getting to their three o'clock prayers. Anybody ever use something spiritual to distract yourself from what God's actually telling you to do? Nobody wants to admit it? I'll admit it. Right? Oh, why don't you go love your name? Oh, sorry, I'm reading my Bible. Right? Oh, sorry. I'm I'm very deep in prayer right now. You know, I just I don't want to interrupt this this prayer time that I'm having. But number 1, they stopped and they looked him in the eye. They recognized where this man was at. They recognized his challenges, his humanity, his situation. And so they looked him in the eye and they addressed him personally. Look at me, they said. Look at us. So then the, says the man expecting, expecting money. Gives them his full attention. Right. They, they have now started a conversation with this man. They've, they've said, okay, we are going to be inconvenienced in this moment. And that's like, great, I'm going to get some money. And the first thing Peter says to him is, I don't have any money. Can you imagine the, the disappointment? He's like, oh, great. I just wasted, you know, I could have been, could have been over there with those people. Maybe they had money. But, but Peter recognizes what they don't have. But at the same time, is number three, they recognize what they do have. He says, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I will give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. They had just been filled, two chapter, or a chapter before this, they had just been filled with the Holy Spirit. And so they knew what they carried with them. My question for you this morning is, do you know what you carry with you as you walk out of here today do you know what you carry with you see a lot of us what we would do is we'd we'd see this man and and maybe if we would even stop and recognize him we'd be like all right well you're hungry i don't have food but let's gather everything together we're going to do a food drive Right? We're going to start a fundraiser. And then we'd run the fundraiser and then we'd give him the money and we'd send him on his way. And we forget that there's actually something deeper that Jesus wants to do in him. And so I want us to, I want us to think about these two questions. Who is God placed in front of me today? If every morning we would wake up and say, God, who are you placing in front of me today? Who can I love today? See, we love these, these big acts of love, right? Like we are gonna go and we are gonna feed every homeless person in Canada and we are gonna get clothes for everyone and we're gonna do the the biggest drive clothing and food drive we've ever done. That's great, that's awesome. But then what we do is is we're like, Well, but if I can't do that, then I'm not gonna do anything. If I can't do the big thing, then I'm not gonna do the small thing right in front of me. I'm not gonna stop for the one. If I can't reach the thousand. So who is God put who is the one person that God has put in front of me today? See what happens in this story is they stop for one person. But you know what happens from that one person? A crowd gathers. And Peter preaches to the crowd. And then the religious leaders gather. And Peter preaches to the religious leaders. All because they stopped for one man. So question number one, who has God placed in front of me today? Question number two, how is he inviting me to use what I have to serve them? How is he inviting me to use my gifts, my resources to serve them? But, but more importantly, how is the Holy Spirit moving for them today? How is he inviting me to, if I have the Holy Spirit living in me, how is he inviting me to partner with the Holy Spirit for that person? What is the Holy Spirit doing in this moment for them that I can partner with? Some of you are feeling like, well, well, I'm not really great at talking to people. Or I don't feel confident, you know, praying out loud. But what if, what if it was just the Holy Spirit saying, hey, I want you to go to your neighbor and just encourage them. Drop them some cookies and say, hey, I'm thinking about you. You know, hey, if you want to do tea or coffee, if you're feeling alone, give me a call. I'm not saying that, that not feeling comfortable with something is an excuse not to do what the Holy Spirit's telling you, though. Right? Maybe you're not comfortable praying for people. The Holy Spirit says, go pray for that person. But so often we jump to there. We're like, well, I can't do it the way they do it. So then how do I love people today where I'm at? Hey, I don't know if you're feeling afraid or not, but I'd love to have you over and we can just talk together. So who is God placed in front of me today? And how is he inviting me to use what I have to serve them? Or maybe more importantly, how is the Holy Spirit moving for them today? See, when we, when we start partnering with the Holy Spirit in this way, it actually, it looks like a culture of invitation, but it's not just an invitation to a church gathering. It's not just about, that's, yes, that's important, inviting people to church. Sure, that's great. But it's actually inviting them to share in our lives. And I think in, in the current situation, you know, maybe there isn't going to be a church gathering next week because the government will say we can't meet with, you know, more than 20 people. So how is God moving? How is the Holy Spirit moving so that I can still live out a culture of invitation, of inviting people to Jesus? Maybe it looks like that we will have a video message where all our house churches can watch it together. But part of that, we're going to invite people, invite community members, hey, do you need just an injection of hope this week? Come to my house. We're going to have dinner together. We're going to watch a video. We're going to talk about it. But come and just just come to my house. What's incredible about this season right now is that in a culture where everyone is more and more self-isolating and saying, I read something the other day and it wasn't a government mandate. It was just somebody saying, well, don't even have people over to your house. But what would it look like if we would say, hey, you know, we're not sick. Come over and just let's have a meal together. Don't be alone right now. Don't, don't be wrapped up in fear. It means that we have to be okay with being inconvenienced. We've got to be okay with inconvenience. I don't necessarily do very well at that. Right? I have got a plan, and this is what I'm doing for the week, and all of a sudden we're over here, and maybe a week goes by and I haven't gotten to this plan. But if we want to see God move the way he does in this story, we have to be okay with being inconvenienced. Every single one of us has been called to evangelism. Whether you feel like it's your gifting or not, God is calling you to share, to invite people into his family. But it's going to look different for every single person. Right? We think, okay, well, if I'm not standing on a street corner on a box, you know, banging a Bible against something, I'm not doing evangelism right. But what if it would look like just inviting people into your house, having a meal together? What if it would look like just going and dropping some food at your neighbors? What if one small act of love This week would change somebody's life forever. I see a church who love people well because they love Jesus well. How do we inject hope into a culture that's being ravished by a spirit of fear? takes opening up our lives, inviting people in, being willing to love people. So will we choose to be a church who stops for the one? It can be hard to begin with. It takes building habits, but it's worth it. Is what we're called to. We're called to disciple nations. That's what Jesus says. But nations are made up of communities, and communities of families, and families of individuals. And as we stop for the one. One last thing as we close. I just Sometimes we can do things for other people because it's like, well, that will have a greater impact, right? Like we're, we want to serve the government leader because we know then that will have an impact on the community, which is, it's awesome. But sometimes when we look at the one person in front of us, we're like, well, what is the impact of that? Maybe I should only, you know, impact business owners because then that will impact their staff. But I want to remind you again, looking at this story, the man that was left by the gate, he wasn't somebody. He wasn't somebody of great honor or somebody of, of high status. This was somebody that everyone else would overlook. Maybe they'd throw him a few coins here or there. And yet the impact that it had, the kingdom impact that it had, I don't think John and Peter were standing there like, well, if we bring the kingdom of Jesus to this man, then the crowd will form and then we'll preach to them. And then the, the synagogue will you know, call us in and then we'll preach to them. I think they just did it because they knew of the pleasure that it would bring Jesus. To stop for the man right in front. of All right, we're going to close there. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you for who you are. And I pray today that you would just give us eyes to see the people right in front of us. Holy Spirit, show us what it looks like to walk with you and what you're doing for them. that we would live as a church who loves our community fearlessly. I pray that over every single person in here this morning. That you would awaken in us a fearless love for our community, for our neighbors.